welcome back to the Long Distance Work Life, where we help you lead, work, and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I'm Marissa Eikenberry, a fellow remote worker, and joining me is my co-host and remote work expert, Wayne Trammell. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Marissa. How the heck are you? I'm great. How are you? I am really, really well. Looking forward to this conversation, because uh, we have been talking about it internally at work for like a week. <laughs> right. So for all of you listening, today we're actually going to be talking about scare tactics and ways that we are actually being scared back into going into the office. So there's been a lot of news that's come out in the last week or so. I know that we've been talking about it internally at work. We hear this concept about the war on remote work and work from home is ending and is remote work a thing of the past, which we both know that it's not. And as we say frequently on this show, remote work didn't start in 2020 and it's not going to end because the powers that be decided that it was over. So Wayne, do you want to start with this uh, New York Post article that we talked about the other day? This is, this warms the cockles of my heart because lately I've been cutting businesses a lot of slack and saying, no, there are reasons to go back to the office at least occasionally. I've been trying to be very grace, gracious about this. And then this happened. Uh, The short version, and we will have a link to this in the show notes at longdistanceworklife.com. The New York Post ran an article a couple of weeks ago, but the what started it is a, comp- a furniture company in the UK did research, and <laughs> if you can't see it. the air quotes, you can certainly hear them. And basically said, "This is what if we continue to work from home, we are going to look like by the year 2100." And they had this avatar named Anna, mm-hmm. and Anna, I didn't realize they had work from home coal mines. <laughs> But apparently this is what she, because she looked awful. And there are certain things you can imagine, like the eyes are red and sunken because she's been staring at screens too long. And, you know, she hasn't been getting up to exercise. So there's a pot belly, but they were not kind in this particular video simulation. Yeah. I didn't realize that working from home meant my skin was all going to sag and Oh, your skin is going to sag. Uh, Anna apparently does her work from her bed with half-eaten food sitting around her and a laptop, not even on a, a bed desk, yeah. but just on the bed. And she basically looks like she should have Carrie Fisher chained to her. <laughs> she looks like the epitome of goblin mode. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really unflattering for poor Anna. You know, at first I kind of laughed and I went, well, of course they're going to do that because this is done by a company that sells office equipment. Right. They're trying to get people to come back to the office. People need to go back to the office because who else are they going to sell to? Right. Uh, And this is part of a larger pattern of people trying to scare, essentially, people back to work. Uh, The most famous example lately was Jamie Dimon's keynote in Australia from J.P. Morgan Chase, who said, this is nonsense. Uh, We are banking. This is how it's done. Get your butts to the office. Uh, We're not going to fire you if you choose flexibility, but you have taken yourself off the career track and you are just on the work track and that's how it's going to go. And two months later, of course, the rumblings are people are quitting. People are not applying in the numbers that they're used to having people apply to them to. Right. 
you know, there are consequences to this. The problem when people take these kind of draconian steps is that it inevitably backfires. <laughs> right. And, and it backfires for a couple of reasons, it seems to me. And, you know, feel free. I mean, what would you do if somebody said this to you, right? The first thing is, well, when we hired you, you were expected to come into the office and nothing has changed. To which the whole world says, oh, really? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sorry, the last three years suggest otherwise. Seems to me a lot's changed. <laughs> and, and and so some of that is is true. There are also reports there was a big thing in Fortune, and you expect this from Fortune. It's like with anything in the news, you need to consider the source and where the information comes from. Mm -hmm. Fortune magazine is Fortune 500, very establishment, New York-centric whatever. And they're saying, no, no, no. You know how for the last years we've been saying people have actually been just as productive or more productive. Now, magically, they are 30% less productive working from home. CFOs and people are grabbing this information and waving it in the air going, aha, told you. I had somebody do that on Twitter with me today. And I was like, and if you also look at that article, it will also tell you that part of the reason why there's an issue is because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to manage the team. There's communication issues. It's like, ah, oh, crazy. We teach all of those things. Those are all fixable problems. They are. I mean, yes, you can certainly come to the Kevin Eikenberry group and we would love to have that conversation with you, dear listener. But I think that speaks to the larger issue, which is, is the lack of collaboration, is the lack of productivity, is the kind of shirking responsibility a function of people working from home? Mm -hmm. Is it a function of the workers, kind of the nuts are running the asylum kind of approach? Or is it a failure of leadership? And when we talk about a failure of leadership, we talk about things like, have the expectations been expressed? Are, are, the, expectations, are the expectations realistic? Exactly right. If you're comparing productivity to the beginning of the pandemic, it probably is down because at the beginning of the pandemic, people had zero boundaries and they were actually working way more hours and it settled down to where they have now figured out whatever their schedule is going to be. Right. So if you're measuring productivity against 18 months ago or two years ago, it probably is down a little. Well, and uh, real quick before you move on, like I, I'm noticing that in a lot of these articles, they are citing studies from 2020, not just because of like work hours and things like that, but it's also like, you know, oh, well in 2020, we did a survey and and people that were working from home had a, had a really bad mental health experience. And it was like, of course they did. We all did. Like you, like we're pros at this and I struggled. Why? Because I wasn't used to working in the same room as my husband because the world was on fire outside. Like- 2020 is not a good representation of what remote work is or was. Or let's assume that that shouldn't be the baseline for Absolutely. anything. But, but to your point, the other reason for that is this research are lag, involved lagging in indicators, right? We're just now getting the numbers from 2021. It takes time to mm -hmm. gather, collate, process, and look at the numbers. So the numbers are always lagging behind where the current state is. Which makes sense. What isn't lagging behind 
is the employment numbers and the number of people voting with their feet. And, and I, I want to be careful while we're talking about this, that we are not talking about legitimate requests for time in the office. We are not talking about, we are talking about going so far overboard in painting a picture of doom and gloom that you are setting yourself up for tension with your employees that do not need to exist. Right. I mean, to your point earlier, you mentioned um, Jamie Demon, like, or Diamond, I think. Nice Freudian slip. Thank you. Nicely My done. bad. That was, um, that was legitimately not intentional. Uh, <laughs> that's why it's a Freudian slip. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but asking the managing directors back to the office five days a week. Why does it have to be five days a week? And, and your gut instinct of, well, this is how, you know, the, the brainstorming discussions and impromptu meetings. I'm like, ew, all of those things suck, actually. <laughs> well, and it's two martini lunches and you know there's lots of things that happen when people are in the office and they're not all brilliant and some of this is legit pining for the before times i can blame nobody for wanting to pretend the last couple of years have not happened right i can blame nobody for that that's a mental health coping mechanism <laughs> and right. i understand that and we're looking forward to what's next and how are we going to run our company and how are we going to become an employer of choice? And, and there are very real issues to be addressed. Uh, one of the most important things, and I, I interviewed Phil Simon, the author of The Nine Tectonic Forces Reshaping Work, and if you get a chance to read that book, do it. But one of the things that he kind of low-key highlighted what is super important is what are the metrics when people are saying productivity is down defined as what right i mean if i have a call center and i expect people to handle x number of calls a day or handle x number of tickets that's a legitimate assuming it's a legitimate realistic number to start with of course but that's a legitimate metric yeah if it's down it's down. Right. Period. If it's down, if people aren't servicing enough customers, if call times have gotten so much longer, that's a legitimate thing. Now, is that a function of being from home? Is that a function of not being properly coached and trained? Is that a function of I haven't spoken to that employee since the last numbers came out? Right. Which, which means I'm not coaching them and I'm not developing them and I'm not giving them feedback on their performance. So the metrics that we choose to measure productivity, and unfortunately, they are not easy to come up with. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, people keep saying productivity, but to your point, like, what does it mean? <laughs> right. And the problem is that the minute we measure something, that then becomes the standard. So if it's uh, are you logged on and do you stay available to your coworkers all day? That becomes the metric. Which is great, but you could also do that and be watching Netflix all day too. Exactly. If, you know, if you've got your little mouse jiggler or you've got keystroke software and for every keystroke monitoring software, somebody in their basement comes up with a way to beat it. Oh, of course. Right. And, and we've talked before about kind of, you know, workplace theater. Yes. This notion that I will pretend to be available all day and you will pretend that everything is fine. Right. So we really, really, really need to get smart 
not just about creating the metrics, but stating expectations and explaining why they matter and are these the metrics that are really important. And honestly, we are in a period of chaos where a lot of the metrics that we've used in the past just don't make sense. Okay, so can you describe some of those? Well, I'm I'm talking about things like, you know, logging in at a certain time, logging off at a certain time, being available, right? Uh, participating in meetings, for example. Participating in meetings is uh, an expectation of the job. Okay. Why? Do you have any business in that meeting? Do you legitimately have things to contribute? Does it matter that a nine o'clock meeting in Indianapolis is a six o'clock meeting for me. And maybe I don't need to be there or right. I don't need to be there at that time. I can watch the recording and, and, and still contribute asynchronously to things. And does it need to be a meeting at all? Or could it have been a video for everyone? <laughs> yeah. Does it have to be a meeting at all? Uh, those types of things, we're still figuring them out. And and we all need to cut each other some slack. Of course. You know, if I have, I mean, I, I keep doing the math and it disturbs me. But basically, I am 30 years, give or take, into my big boy management career. I have developed some habits. I have developed some default assumptions about how things happen. Some of them may still be valid. Some of them may just be the result of being raised by wolves. Some of them might, I mean, there's lots of reasons yeah. why I think the way I think. And what we need to do, senior leadership, managers, team members, we need to sit down and look at what is the work that needs to be done? Who does the work? When does the work need to happen to achieve the outputs that we want to have? And if we focus our metrics on outputs, it becomes less important what happens where. Right. As long as the outputs get met. And if the outputs require being in the same place at the same time, if I'm great clips, I yeah. need to be in the store where people's heads are in order to make this happen. Yeah. Or there might be some things that you need to come into the office a couple times a week. You know, we, we've talked about this several times that we are not anti-office. We are pro right. remote work. <laughs> and those are two very different things. They are. And, and that kind of gets lost in the, in the discussion. So, you know, we've been talking about the scare tactics and I always come back and, and I know your eyes roll every time I do this. I always come back to the Spider-Man point, which is kind of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. Okay. And, and this applies to the workers. We are at a new age where we have more flexibility than ever before. I don't like to say the word earn it, uh, but we have to not screw it up. <laughs> right. And that's going to take maybe a little more effort. It's going to take a little different focus. It's going to take some training and learning to do things maybe better or different or faster than we did. And so it's not all on the employers. We need to step up from our end as well. Yes. And I think also, you know, for our leaders and stuff, when we see these scare tactic articles that come out and if they have this moment of, oh no, I have to bring everybody back to the office. Look at who did the study. 
because it's probably a corporate real estate agent or in this case an office furniture person or or yeah, I mean, in the case of Malcolm Gladwell, somebody who's anything been coming Toronto. from Coldwell Banker, yeah, C C R L S, uh, anything coming from you gotta recognize that in major cities, the buildings are still occupied, but they're at 50% capacity on average. Right. So even if they are having people come back to the office on any given day, 50% of the offices are empty and the desks are empty. Over time, that's unsustainable. Oh, of course. And that's why, you know, some companies have, you know, downsized their office spaces or things of that nature. I, I get yeah, that. I mean, it's easier at first blush to wave the wand and say, okay, let's get back everybody in so we can look around and feel better about ourselves. But ultimately, they're going to have to be over time, some very hard choices made. So the return to office, the scramble to get everybody back is a mediary step. Mm -hmm. to the long-term considerations that are going to happen. Yeah, they're treating the symptoms, not the problem. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for this discussion. I had a lot of fun, and I hope our listeners got a real kick out of it too. And so listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. For show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure to visit longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe to our show so you won't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, be sure to like and review. This helps us know what you love about our show. Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn with the links in our show notes and let us know you listen to this episode or suggest a topic for Wayne and I to tackle in a future episode, including pet peeves. We'd still love to hear yours. If you'd like to learn more about remote teams, order Wayne and Kevin Ikeberry's new book, The Long Distance Team. You can learn more about the book at longdistanceteambook.com. Thanks for joining us. As Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down. <laughs>